Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bailey, and you are listening to Bailey Babbles Book Club. Uh, we're here to talk about Sleeping Beauties by Stephen King and Owen King, chapters 1 through 5. As always, please welcome my co-host, Kyle. Say hello, Kyle. Hello, Kyle. Welcome to our book club. <laughs> Brought to you by people who have never been in a book club before. Yes. But it was our New Year's resolution to read more, so here, here we, we are. are. And welcome. <laughs> So we're reading Sleeping Beauties by Stephen King and Owen King, his yep. son. We have gotten through chapters 1 through 5. So if you are not finished with chapters 1 through 5, I would just download this episode and save it for later. Yeah. There will be spoilers. <laughs> it will be a whole... It's all spoilers, most yep, likely. all of it. So. so let's get started. We're going to go chapter by chapter and just chit the chat. Shoot the snoot. Shoot the snoot, chit the chat. Let's go. All right. Chapter one, obviously there's all the character interu- introductions. A lot of it. Uh, a lot of it. I have here. <laughs> I have somewhere. <laughs> Let me find well, we have the. Well, right, but I what I wanted to do with the characters we've been introduced to, because for me, when I read a book, I almost have to... Sorry, Taryn's having fun. Yeah, you have too much fun? Side note, this is our first time recording um, with an awake baby, so we apologize for some of the background noise. Yeah. And But he has a lot of opinions on the book, so you're going to hear Taryn he throughout does. the episode. Yep. <laughs> He's already an avid reader. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, what, what I do when I read is I almost have to cast it like a movie so that I can picture it in my head as I read along. That's, mm. that's how I've always had to read. It's just, it's the only way I can keep characters straight, keep the storyline flowing. So, what I wanted to do is share with you some of the castings that I've done for these characters. Fair enough. Yeah. I don't do that, but that's okay. But it's fun. Like, we like to... I was basically pretending that I was a casting director of what I think would make a really great Netflix original limited series. Mm. <laughs> so, we've got Re, one of the first characters introduced to us in Chapter 1. And she's the blonde, kind of flighty, airheady inmate that's uh, roommates with, or bunkmates with Jeanette. Right. So for this, the authors described her as uh, 24 with blonde curly hair. For this, I aged up a little bit for the actress, but I I think she could play it. I picked Megan Ferguson. She Mm -hmm. is in the new soundtrack. um, I mean, the show's called Soundtrack on Netflix. Mm -hmm. She plays Gigi on Soundtrack. So look up Megan Ferguson. She's got the blonde curly hair. She's got a really unique face. And I think she's bouncy enough that she could play Ree really well. Mm. She could do it. And she, But she also has that aged look to her like she's been through some stuff like an inmate would. Mm. And then, of course, we have Dr. Norcross or Clint. For this, I picked... This is <laughs> All of these are really strange picks and out of left field. But bear with me. I think this would work really well. So in Sweet Home Alabama, <laughs> the the boyfriend from back home, the husband that she has to go get divorced to, the blonde guy, you know, the like, so I can kiss you anytime I want guy. I would cast him. His name is Josh Lucas, mm. but he's older now and really mature looking, and he just has the Doctor Norcross look to him, in my opinion. Mm. Okay. Let me show you. I know, I know Kyle doesn't know who that is, so I'm going to show him really quickly. I picked this as Dr. Norcross. I can see that. Yeah. I was thinking the dad from Dirty Grandpa. 
Oh, see, I like... So he's talking about the rich guy from New Girl. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. I always forget his name, though. Anyway. Uh, yeah, he'd be good, too. But Josh Lucas is my pick for Clint, or Dr. Norcross. Hmm. Then we have Lila, who's the sheriff of Dueling County. Mm-hmm. I picked... I don't know how to say her name. Famke Jansen? Hmm. <laughs> she's a... I think she's a Dutch actress. But she's got darker features. So hmm. she's got brown eyes, dark hair. Um, she has a little bit of a Sandra Bullock look and shape to her. But a little oh, bit yeah. but a little bit more ethnic. But I think she would be a really good sheriff. She's and, also from X-Men. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She Wasn't she the original, like, Phoenix? Yeah. Yep. And then we've got Evie, the mysterious stranger hmm. that... She could be an Aegis... Well, they they describe her as, like, extremely beautiful, but with really, really dark features. Like, mm-hmm. dark hair, dark eyes. They talk about how she has got beautifully tan skin. So, I picked... I picked Jessica Parker Kennedy. She's from the show Flash. The Flash, or... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's called The Flash. She also appeared on Smallville for a little while, but let me show you a picture of her. I I think she could play Evie really well. Yeah. She's gorgeous. And a little ethnically ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know. I think she'd do really well as Evie. Yeah. Then we've got Warden Coates. I don't remember... I want to say her first name is Janice. That lady from House? No. I... Yeah, so you think that the... <laughs> she's not an old lady. The, the lady with the dark hair that has the love affair with Dr. House and House. Yeah. He wants, Kyle thinks that she would be cast as the warden, and I don't think she'd be bad at it, but personally, I picked Connie Britton, hmm. who's the wife from season one of American Horror Story and like tons of other stuff. She's in, she's in a lot of stuff. Right. But I think she could be like the hard ass, no BS warden. Hmm. Yeah. But also have that like confidence of being like a woman in power. Mm-hmm. And then her daughter. And then her daughter, Michaela, who's also the news reporter that's on all the stations that everyone's watching. I casted Kate Mara, and she's in a lot of stuff, too. But she's she's in season one of American Horror Story as the the mistress, the one that the... The red-headed lady? No. The, the mistress. Not the bit maid? No. Oh. The one that the reason why they moved there, she came back. Oh, was like in real life, something. not in the like weird. Yes. Okay. Not in their weird <laughs> haunted house. Yeah, like but before they got to the haunted house, Kate. I'll show you a picture. You'll remember her, Kate Mara. I think she was in like the new Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think she would be a good um, news reporter, and she looks like she's related to Connie Britton, so yeah, it would all work. It could work. And then Magda who is Anton the pool guy's mom. She's like Czech, oh, yeah. and she sounds like just like an older, frumpy alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see Kathy Bates play that. <laughs> because she can dress down to yeah. the, She could be frumpy if she needed to be. Mm-hmm. I didn't cast everyone that was introduced. I just casted people that when they popped up, I had like a clear image of them so yeah. far. So these are the people that I've casted so far. If I come up with any more i'll do those future episodes but there's jared norcross the son of lila and clint Mm -hmm. i casted nick robinson he played 
the sun on Melissa and Joey. Taryn. You're like, do you really want to be in the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) He's mad we're not paying attention to him. I know. We're still watching. We're watching you, buddy. Yeah, so Nick Robinson played the son on Melissa and Joey. Let me pull up a picture of him. You guys, Google this alongside us so you know exactly who I'm talking about here. He's got, like, the innocent, classic, somewhat nerdy, also pretty handsome look to him. And then his friend, Mary Pack, that he's clearly in love with. I did, or I casted her. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Her name is Zoe... Dooch? Dooch? She was in the movie we watched last night, but I think she could be... They could dress her down and young enough to where she looks like she's cute enough for the bully, the school bully, to go after her, but also, Mm -hmm. like, smart and homely enough that she could be best friends with Jared. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that's who I've casted so far. Hmm. Hmm. That's how I function when reading a book. I just create imaginary people that don't exist. I can't do that. It takes me, like, 0.2 seconds, like, they just appear in my brain. Do you want to sit with Mom? Yeah, I think he does. Okay. Okay, now I've got... Oh, fun. Oh. <laughs> baby ASMR, the sound of babies scratching a table and playing with oh, cords. Oh, man. Say hi. Say hi, buddy. You're you're at the recording table now. Okay. So chapter one. Some things happened. Some things happened. So obviously the biggest thing in chapter one, after all the character introduction, is that um, Evie murders Truman and his friend. Yeah. She talks to a dead rabbit. She blew up a meth lab. Truman the meth dealer. Yeah. An (laughs) all-around bad guy. And his friend also assumed to not be a great guy. Right. They died. <laughs> and then there was a gal at the trailer. What was her name? Tiffany. Tiffany. She's not necessarily a bad person. She just, just made some bad, bad decisions. decisions. But she lived. Yeah. So they, the, it was obvious that she had no intention of harming Tiffany. I mean, she even yeah. went to the extent of checking in on her after everything was said and done. Like, knocking on the closet door that she was hiding in, saying, mm-hmm. like, Hey, are you okay? You good? Like, mm-hmm. she clearly was there to... Kills the guys. men yeah. that were in the trailer. Because we should explain the preface of this whole thing. We skipped that part. Yeah. That there's... The tree. The tree? What tree? The tree she comes out of. Oh, well, yeah, but, like, just the, the women everywhere falling asleep, and then they have this strange growth appear on their faces, and if you take it off, something really bad happens to them. Right, but no one really knows that yet. All... There were, we basically, we slowly get to know that in places like Australia and on the west side of America, women are falling asleep and they're not waking up and they have this crazy cocoon over their faces. And everyone in Doolin County is like, nah, that's, nah, that's so far away. Don't worry about it. I, (laughs) that's like the most frustrating part about this book to me is that everyone in the town and the prison are just brushing it off. They're calling it the Aurora flu. They're brushing off the Aurora flu and I I think that was done intentionally. So I think mm-hmm. the author is making commentary on the fact that it's really easy to ignore tragedy or turn the other cheek when you think it'll never hit home. Yeah. Like how we see in the news, like, 
all the stuff about what's happening in, happening in Syria or Iraq or overseas yeah. or Hong Kong, Hong Kong, like all sorts of terrorist stuff happening. And some people, you know, they're like, oh gosh, like we're sending prayers. But most of us, to be honest, we've like, never experienced that. We've never experienced it. We really, we're not paying much attention to it because we don't think it'll ever hit us yeah. home. Yeah. Like, we're a relatively really safe and sheltered country from things like that. So, I think that's a kind of a commentary about that, to be honest. I can see that. So, at this point, we know that there's been kind of a breakdown at the prison uh, the night before Clint goes to work. Right. So, one of his best and favorite patients, Kitty, had a breakdown the night before and was screaming, and she kept referring to... Like, the Black Queen is coming, the Black Queen is coming. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what rumor says. And yeah. I think, you know, at this point, we're all thinking, are you talking about Evie? That's what I thought. Like, I couldn't decide whether or not Evie was the Black Queen, or if mm-hmm. she was a female that had fallen asleep and then had her cocoon tampered with and became right. violent. Because there's also been rumor that, you know, if you remove the stuff from the face they become violent later on i decide that's not the case but at this point in the book too but then later on when anton's mom we're not there yet are we i I know should i not talk about it yet no okay we'll save it yeah so at this point i wasn't sure if it was evie or if she was just another flu victim yeah but then evie has all this other stuff going on with her like, the imagery that they talk about when they first introduce Evie, I mean, the first thing they talk about is some tree. Like, did she come out of the tree? Did she just appear standing next to the tree? Where did she come clear. from before the tree? And well, what's with the moths? And she's being followed by moths. But then at the same time, it's not just her. Like, there's moths everywhere now. Yeah, it's like the entire world is infested with moths. But they're not just any moths, they're brown moths. Yeah. Which... Later on in the book, in this part of the book that we're talking about, um, Mary Pack is talking about how she studied moths and that brown moths are kind of a symbol for sleep and dreaming, which is a huge, a whole other part of this book. That's all of the, it's like the, the theme of this book is sleep and dreaming. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that we just, we don't know. <laughs> Taryn's like, let me at him. I know all the answers. You know all the answers, don't you, buddy? Yeah, I mean, so she's naked, for one. Yeah, what's up with that? She's butt naked in a meadow with this big old tree that's covered in moths, and she's leaving, like, cobwebs in her footprints. (laughs) No, I forgot about that. Yeah, she's, like, leaving, like, dewy, like, patches of, like, just spindly stuff in her footprints. She's talking to dead animals. Is that the same stuff that... Like the cocoon stuff? Yeah. That's what I'm guessing. That was my guess. I forgot she can talk to dead animals, too. Yeah, that was a weird scene because they never... It's, they don't explain It hasn't happened again after that. Yeah. She, she walks up to this meth lab trailer, and then outside there's like a gutted rabbit on the line because there are hicks in Appalachia that are eating rabbits. Right. And she asks the rabbit, like, what happened? And he was like, oh, there are three men and one woman inside. And she's like, thanks. And then she kisses the rotting dead rabbit. Yeah. And there's a fly in there, too? Yeah, like the fly goes in the mouth or out the ear or something gross like that. Yeah, so she's kissed the dead animal at this point. She walks up to the trailer. I guess at this point she's already been in the meth lab and she found a really gross old flannel that's, like, covered in crap, right? 
Yeah, the shed where he actually cooks the meth. Yeah. Yeah. She's been in there. She grabbed a gross old flannel that had, like, mayonnaise Ugh. stains on it. Yeah. Ugh. Which I don't think it was mayonnaise. And then she goes up to the trailer, and they think she's some crazy Avon lady. But then she, without even really speaking to them, just immediately starts to just tear apart the men in the trailer. Like John Cena style. Yeah. So at this point, we know that she's got some sort of supernatural abilities. Like she's super strong, can talk to dead animals. Uh, yeah. Talk to dead animals, super strong, leaving um, cobwebs in her footsteps. But apparently she's just like drop dead gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what we know time. about her. And then you know, so at this point they're dead. Tiffany's hiding. Um, the third man in the trailer was a plastic surgeon that crawled out the bathroom window when he heard shit hit the fan. Oh, right. So he's gone. He's he was fled. just there to get his fix. He was just there to get meth. Mm-hmm. So Truman and his friend are dead. Doctors escaped. Tiffany's in the closet. And Evie's just like, mm-hmm, I have a really busy day ahead of me. And just, like, nonchalantly just walks away from the trailer like she's got other other, other stuff to do. Well, she blows up the meth lab after Oh, that. that's right, yeah. She blows up the meth lab, and then she just then she starts walking away from the lumberyard <laughs> area. Because that's how all the cops are like, oh, what's that? Well, Tiffany calls 911. Oh, oh, right, she does. Tiffany calls 911. Lenny, the dispatcher, answers, and she thinks that it's a prank call because Tiffany's high on right. meth, mm-hmm. and she's making ramblings like, Drew's head's through the goddamn trailer, and the thief, blah, 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 and... Lenny's like, yeah, okay. And she's like, and there's a fire. She blew up the the lab, and then she walks out, and she sees the smoke piling up from the the lumber yard area. So she's like, dang, this is this is for real. This is for real. And there's a double homicide in Dueling County, and that's insane. Yeah. So then she calls the sheriff, who's just gotten off of a night shift, Ugh. and is about to on the brink of falling asleep. Good thing she did it. Mm-hmm. And then she has to get out of bed and go back to work. That, yeah, that's how small this town is. The sheriff had to do a night shift. That's true. Mm-hmm. But did she really? No. Because she was at a basketball game the night before. The basketball game of the daughter that her husband had that she didn't know about. Right. But I don't know if she did that at, on on shift or not. It's whatever. It's, it's a, a mood point. Mood point. It's like a cow's opinion. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's moo. Moo point. Oh. oh, wow. That was good. It's from... It's Joey from Friends. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he thought I wrote that. That's so flattering. Wow. As a law enforcement officer, how do you feel about the workings of Dueling County? We've been introduced to oh. Unit 4, which is Terry and Roger. We've yeah. got Lenny, and we've got Lila. I mean, they're doing all right for what they got, which is not much. I Well, yeah. that. But I was curious about the fact that the authors clearly have to do research to... Yeah, I you mean, know, to make it feel realistic to what a small county would go through in this he, kind of he scenario. Did okay, not great. Like he did okay. Like it's an office. It's not a station. First of all, he calls There's it a no sheriff such thing station. as a sheriff's station anywhere in the, on the, in anywhere. You don't think that's how they might refer to it on the East Coast? <clears throat> they better not, because it's wrong. <laughs> it's elected official, so it's an office. The sheriff holds an office. I guess I don't know. True, like that's the mayor of a city. Hmm. Anyway. That's a small point that irritated me, but I moved on. <laughs> but is everything else pretty much up to par? Uh, oh, yeah. For the most part, I mean, yeah. I would like to think that dispatchers wouldn't just dismiss any call as a prank call if yeah. it sounded that serious. I mean, it would always get broadcasted. 
Yeah, the way that the dispatcher talked to is not accurate. Yeah, I don't think Lenny is a good representation of what 911 dispatchers are actually like. No, they're, no. That part wasn't good. Um, their response was good, though, to the, when they showed up. Like, what do you mean like by that's that? pretty accurate. Like, holy crap, there's a head through the trailer? Yeah, like, oh, the thing about when the EMT showed up, I thought that was kind of weird. They were, like, going to go in the trailer. Yeah, I mean... They would never have been on that scene. I guess that's what I'm trying to say, because it's not safe yet. Not even they because even there was a the survivor, though? Well, they would have maybe moved her, but they would have never showed up at the murder scene mm. like that. Right. Hmm. I guess maybe they're dispatched... With fire, probably. Yeah. Because the fire people already had to show up. Mm-hmm. But Tiffany way. wasn't... It was Tiffany, right? The, yeah, that called. She wasn't gravely ill. Like, she wasn't dying. No, but she was high as a kite. Yeah, but that's not... And someone had come in and they didn't... I guess they didn't know that she was unharmed. Right, but it was, she wasn't obviously gravely wounded. You gotcha. know what I mean? There's just so many moving parts in this book. Yeah. There are like a thousand different storylines going on, and that's why at the beginning of the book, there's just like an index of characters and who they are in case you forget. Yeah, and then like there's <laughs> parts many. within the chapters, and every every part is a different part of a different, different story. Different point of view. It's it's complicated. Once you get in the this swing of it, though, it's it's pretty easy yeah. to follow. Yeah, the in, first in my opinion, the first hundred and twenty pages. I feel like that's going to be better, only better from here. Yeah, I feel like starting chapter six is actually like stuff is officially happening. Yeah, we're in game mode. Like mm-hmm. when it comes to a Stephen King movie, it's officially like they've done the introductions, they've done the this is the town, mm-hmm. and like ooh, there's some stuff coming, and now it's like it's here. Yeah, so I'm excited to see what the next few chapters hold. Hmm, it's like any Stephen King book. There's a million characters. Yeah. Then there's chapter two. So at this point. I think we've muddied up a little bit of the chapters just talking here, so I apologize. But, um, you know, this is the chapter when Lenny gets that 911 call from Tiffany. Um, we get introduced to Frank, the animal control guy. Oh, who, let's talk about Frank for a moment, because if I, if this were a limited series on Netflix that I was in charge of, like, creating, you know, doing the from book to TV, yeah. as they call it. I don't know if I would keep him in as a major character because I hate him so much. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know because I don't know how important he's going to be later on in the book. But at this point, chapters one through five, Frank seems pretty pointless to me. Yeah. I'm not really sure what the intention it is. It seems there. like he's just a convenient way for them to tie other things together. Like the. Like the news. The doctor. The, news the doctor, the plastic surgeon, because he's the guy who hit the cat. Yeah. And then. That's how they tie that he was at the trailer to begin with, the plastic surgeon. Yeah, that's true. So the plastic surgeon, um, Garth is his name. But he, yeah. So plastic surgeon comes home on his way home, is driving recklessly, and he hits a cat. And he almost hits a little girl. And Well, it's not even that he almost hit a little girl, was it? It's just that he hit a cat and Frank... No, he the daughter had already told him about it. Oh, okay. So Frank's daughter, Nana, had told him about this crazy guy in a green mercedes that was driving recklessly and he was like already mad about it mm-hmm. and then the judge of this town who was old as dirt his cat gets hit by the same car mm-hmm. and frank has to go and put the cat down and he was like what kind of car yeah did you see and he's like it's green mercedes and then so then he went back to his daughter and was like where does the guy in the green mercedes live so at this point frank's like a bat out of hell going to the 
right. plastic surgeon's house. About a dead cat. And yeah, the plastic surgeon is there. Garth is there. He's home, but he's high as a kite on meth, and he just witnessed two murders, and he's, like, freaking out full on, so he mm-hmm. doesn't really have time to deal with the animal control guy. Yeah. So he brushes off Frank, and then Frank ends up beating the crap out of the Mercedes. I feel like Stephen King almost got hit by a Mercedes when he was a kid. Because Stephen King was hit by a car. Was it a Mercedes? I don't know. That's a great question. Because there's Mr. Mercedes... Have you ever read that book? Oh, no, but I, I knew it existed. Well, the preface of that book is that a guy in a Mercedes Taryn. runs a bunch of people over at a job fair in his Mercedes. That's the beginning of the book, and now we got this. See, there are there are theories out there that the reason why Stephen King is so messed up is because he was hit by a car and he almost died. Oh. And when he came back... He had all these like really weird ideas. <laughs> well, then Pet Cemetery, right? Hit by a car. Yeah. <gasps> oh my gosh! I think that was I'm a very important point in his life. I'm gonna look into what if we can find out what kind of car hit Stephen King, and even if that's just a rumor, if that actually happened, and I'll touch base on that in the next episode yeah, for sure. We'll get to the bottom of this. Yeah. <laughs> Why is he so weird? <laughs> <laughs> then we get introduced to crazy old Essie. Oh, right, the homeless lady. The homeless lady who's talking to these imaginary daughters and carrying around half of a male mannequin. Oh, yeah. And she apparently, like, lives in the bushes by the high school is what mm-hmm. I was gathering. Yeah, I think all the kids probably mess with her. Right. Don't eat that. Don't eat that. Don't eat that. The table. <laughs> he was trying to eat the table. Y'all, side note. <laughs> <laughs> We cleaned Poopy Monsoon earlier today. Oh, God. <laughs> like about an hour ago, I thought we were going to have to buy a new car seat. They're going to have to buy a new house. We're just going to have to burn. Just new kid, new everything. Can't do it. Oh, Too much it poop. It was like someone took Hershey's Kisses and smeared it all over. It's it like you put like a full Halloween bag of Hershey's Kisses in his drawers and you put them in the microwave. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Same consistency and color. I think I can eat Hershey's. I don't know if I could do chocolate for a while now. No. <laughs> it was hilarious though, because I was, I was, we had just gotten home from Walmart. Uh, I was in the middle of making his bottle so that we could, you know, feed him. And then I hear screaming from the nursery. It was Kyle. And then I ran in there like, what's wrong? And he's like, I don't know what to do. And he's, <laughs> he's like five feet away from the changing table. Like something's about to hit him. And I look at the kid and he's got doo-doo schmear from his, middle belly down to his feet it's everywhere and he's like help (laughs) man that was funny i was above my security clearance level i the professionals had to come in to fix it (laughs) anyway Uh. sorry about that oh so yeah so this the book jumps around a lot so that's why this conversation jumps around a lot yeah and i've i've made notes here of kind of just of what's going on chapter to chapter but it's super patchy because that's how the story plays out mm-hmm. so we've got old essie it's just a brief introduction that she's baddie yeah. and nuts and then the cops have or they come back to the cops who are responding to the trailer um the paramedics show up uh the guy's got mr hanky the christmas poo tattooed on his neck oh right that's my favorite part of the book so far i think he's not funny <laughs> mm-hmm mm-hmm at this point, Lila is heading to the trailer, but before she can get to the trailer, she almost 
runs Evie over. So Evie's in the middle of the road, Mm -hmm. only wearing that nasty old flannel, and then Lila damn near runs her over and then ends up in a ditch. She's able to get out of it, but Mm -hmm. then she arrests Evie, pretty much. I mean, she reads her Miranda. Yeah. And she gets arrested, and she's super, Evie's, like, really calm, like, okay, okay, I'll come Mm -hmm. with you, and just, like, sits in the back seat. She's calling Lila by her name. Yeah. Like, So she knows things she shouldn't know. She's, she's, what's that word, omnipotent? 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 She's all-knowing. All-knowing. Um, uh, <laughs> she knows things that she shouldn't know just being this random stranger that appeared right. naked yeah. from a tree. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, so she knows Lila's name. Now Lila's like, how the heck? But she's just assuming that she's, that Evie's high. Yeah. It's like there's all this weird stuff going on, but like all these people have to deal with like emergency. Like it's an, they don't have time to think about this weird stuff because yeah. it's an emergency at the same time. She's like, I've probably just arrested this person before. Mm-hmm. Even though in that town, I think you remember that person. Someone that pretty? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But everyone, I mean, it's obvious that she's not from Dueling because Dueling's pretty small from the gist I'm getting. It's like 30,000 people total. Yeah. And no one has any idea who this naked stranger Avon lady is. Naked Wonder Woman. <laughs> Pretty much. But then in the background of almost every scene in this book, the news is playing in the background, talking about all these women not waking up and, like, right. nobody's... Oh, that's what happened to Tiffany, right? Oh, yeah. So, Tiffany... Is that chapter two or chapter... Oh, no. But see, it's hard not to skip ahead. If... I mean, it. let's just talk about it. Let's just talk about whatever you want. Okay. I'll just make sure I'm going through this so that we don't miss anything. Okay. So, Tiffany... Is in sleep. She's asleep in the back of the squad car when the paramedics show up. Mm-hmm. Um, the paramedics are like, "Yeah, we'll check her out since she was here." They're like, "Well, she's sleeping." And then they open the squad car door. She falls out, and she's got a friggin' cocoon on her face. Right. They decide not to mess with it. Good idea. Smart. And they take her to the hospital. Yep. So Tiffany's kind of the first like dueling citizen that the book talks about having the aurora flute like it's here it's in dueling Mm -hmm. and they're still not putting the pieces together yeah we know that tiffany happened to her Mm -hmm. and it happens to the homeless lady happens to essie because the the fox sees her fall asleep yeah but we still don't know what's going to happen to her because i don't think anyone's trying to take her stuff off yet no but that's coming up i can feel it in my bones because the the bully the high school bully eric and his little friends in the locker room jared hears them talk about how they want to go mess with essie they saw yeah. her fall asleep in the bushes. So they're going to go mess with her after, like, six period or something. Yeah. So that's a coming, and someone's going to die. So. Yep. So Tiffany goes to the hospital. The, hosp- the hospital is full of. These people. Of, women are coming in. They're not. They're not waking up, so dozens of people are coming into the local hospital. It's full. At this point, there's still no, like, oh my god, school's canceled, your mom didn't wake up. People are still at work, the kids are still at school, it's really not even a town epidemic, and their hospital is full of people that won't wake up. So these whole five chapters are really just, like, a day. The whole book is a day. Yeah. The day, like, the morning just started. Crazy. Because if anyone goes to sleep, they don't wake up. Yeah. So... I think it's going to get more interesting throughout the book because 
it, I'm pretty sure this whole book is just one day and probably the morning after. Like, you know, oh, 100%. Okay. Because the most interesting part of the book, Taryn. Dude, that's too much. <laughs> Don't kick the table. The most interesting part of this book is going to be the nighttime. Because all these women are going to be trying to stay awake. Right. And some of them aren't going to. And a lot of these people haven't been watching the news like they're supposed to. So they're going to tamper with the cocoons and mm-hmm. they gon' die. <laughs> yeah, it's going to get wild. Yeah, because yeah, they could barely handle two murders. Yeah, if they would just watch the news. Which is another thing that I was thinking about because Michaela is the newscaster, right? She's from this small town. Mm-hmm. The people that actually are watching the news aren't actually listening to what she's saying. They're yeah. all saying things or thinking things like Magda, Anton's mom, when she's watching the news, she's saying things like, yeah, do the sexy angle, Michaela. You should have worn a shorter skirt. Like, you got to mm-hmm. really get there to get up there. No one's listening to what she's saying. Yeah. 100% of the things that are being said about her or thought about her are so sexist mm-hmm. and very objectifying. So I think that was also done really intentionally on the author's part yeah no one's listening no one's listening and she's just this sex symbol this object it's not it's not just magda because the when they go to the uh the plastic surgeons thinking the same things yeah like gosh she could use bigger boobs but he's higher than a kite too i don't think he would act any differently if he weren't high yeah it's kind of weird because he's a surgeon but they make him seem so stupid yeah plastics Plastic surgery is a little different than surgery. I feel like you still have to be a doctor. Well, you do, but if if you've ever talked to a real life plastic surgeon, they're some of the scuzziest people I've ever met. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had any work done. I haven't either. Let the record show. I've just worked in healthcare. Hmm. So, oh, then there's the there's all these background details that we have to kind of like connect dots ourselves. Like yeah. at the prison, the warden's talking about how the physician's assistants didn't come into work that day oh, right. obviously it's because they didn't wake up yeah and they're not no one's connected those dots yet <clears throat> mm-hmm. and her daughter michaela the newscaster calls her and she's like mom this is serious like don't go to sleep and then warden oh, coach right. is Did like we explain, explain that like the newscaster whoever who everyone's watching is the warden's daughter right yeah okay she's the she's the warden's daughter so she's giving her insider information she's like mom this is serious like this is big like don't go to sleep please Mm. and now the warden who is a warden of an all-female prison has to decide like is there anything that i can do to prevent these people from falling asleep should i even be doing that should i tell them what's going on like why create insanity you know like it's do I tell them? Do I don't tell them? Do I keep them awake? Do I let them go to sleep and let nature run its course, as it was noted mm-hmm. in the book? I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and I think that is kind of commentary on all this like prison reform stuff that's going on. Yeah. So people are talking about how in prisons across the country, inmates aren't being treated with the level of, not respect, but they, they feel like their rights are being impeded on. Mm-hmm. So is it their right as a human to know that they're in danger? Would it cause too much chaos? And like, right. what are the, what's the balance there? Mm-hmm. You know? know, like it's their own safety that's at risk. Yeah. But do you tell them? Do you not tell them? So that, I think, I, I think that's if, where they're going with that. Yeah. I don't know if they have a right to information like that. I don't know. About their I own health? I don't work in a prison. If you, so, so if you were a prisoner, and you had cancer, 
Yeah. And the prison doctor knew. Well, that's different. This is like a national crisis. You know what I mean? But if they fall asleep, they don't know what happens to them. That's It's kind of like a death sentence. It's like instant cancer. Like, there you go. Cancer (sighs) of the cocoon face. You know? I don't know. That's a tough question. Taryn has the answers. You got the answers, buddy? He's having so much fun. That's good. (laughs) Oh, another thing that I noted but forgot to talk about when we were talking about him. Frank's daughter, Nana. Right. She, when he goes to speak to her about where the man in the green Mercedes lives, she's doing artwork in the driveway with chalk. Mm -hmm. She's drawing this really big tree with deep roots and crazy roots and branches. She's drawing the tree that Evie came out of. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. I was like, I know, look at me. But... Or at least that's my thought process, because they, I mean, why, why else would the author say that? I don't know. There's a lot of tree imagery here. Yeah. A lot. And Kitty, the prisoner that had the breakdown about the, the, you know, the black queen is coming, the black queen is coming. Mm-hmm. When Clint gets to work that next day and he's reading the reports that are on his desk, the CO noted that her rant was, the black angel came up from the roots and down from the branches. Her fingers are death, and her hair is full of cobwebs, and dream is her kingdom. Hmm. So that's when I was like, Evie's the Evie's the black angel. She, Evie's the black queen. She's the one that they've been talking about because of this tree imagery. This is when yeah. I figured that out. Yeah. I was like, for sure. You know what we didn't think about? For what? the prison. Well, they brought her to the prison, right? Right. Is she just going to basically take over the prison? Evie? Yeah. And make all the inmates her soldiers? Yeah. <laughs> Think about it, man. Right. So, I mean, I just, I mean, we really have to figure out what is Evie's, like, what's the motive? What's the end goal? Because if it's to kill all the men, the best place to be in would be a female prison where everyone's falling asleep. She could just walk by them one by one, Mm -hmm. rip off their cocoons, boom, you have an all-woman army. I don't know. I think it'd be interesting. Yeah. Be interesting to see what happens. Chapter 6 can be crazy. I think she's got a plan. Like, I think going to prison is all part of her plan. Yeah. If so. Everything she does is intentional. She was waiting for Lila. She got in the car, was like, sup, Lila, you're my ride. Like, I have a busy day today. Let's go, let's go. She yeah. keeps saying that. Like, we've got a busy, busy day today. Like, she's yeah. got stuff to do, and she's going to do it. But they're just playing into yeah. her plan. Well, that and Kitty, who had this breakdown... Right. They sedated her, so now she's asleep. So she's the first one that's asleep in the prison. Yeah. And when the warden, she waited for Clint to get there. But they went to check on her together. Mm-hmm. And she has the cocoon face. So they have one confirmed case of the Aurora flu in the prison at this point. Yeah. So at this point, we've got Tiffany. She's out. We've got Essie is out. Mm-hmm. Kitty's out. And... Magda, Anton's mom, gets drunk and falls asleep. Yep. In the middle of the day. uh Uh-huh. And Anton watches the news and objectifies Michaela Mm -hmm. and then turns it to Cartoon Network. So he doesn't know what's going on. Well, he's the biggest idiot of this whole show. The pool guy is an idiot. Yeah, he is. (laughs) But he... So he's like, Mom, you forgot my smoothie, my kale smoothie, or whatever it is. And then yeah, because he, he's a pretty boy. Yeah, so he makes his own smoothie, and then he goes in to bitch at his mom more about the fact that she didn't make a smoothie. And so he's holding, you know, the top part of a blender, like the glass pitcher part. Mm-hmm. He puts it out on a nightstand and is like, oh, Mom, wake up. And then she's got the cocoon face. So, boom, Magda. 
verified case of Aurora flu, except he didn't actually watch the news like he was supposed to, so he cuts the thing off. Bad things happen. And Magda rises, she grabs the top of the blender, and she literally beats Anton to death with the top of a blender. Yeah, she kills him to death. Kills him to death. And then goes back to sleep. And then, yeah. the cocoon, and then the cocoon reforms. That was another point when I was like, oh, Evie's definitely, definitely not someone that's just woken up from the Aurora flu because yeah. she didn't go back to sleep. Yeah, she's just awake. She's just walking around. So anyone else, they'll wake up for a while, but then it'll start to grow back and they'll fall back asleep. That's, I mean, that's what I'm gathering. Like, their goal is to go back to sleep. So if you disturb their slumber, like, mm-mm. Yeah. So. Kind of, I, I, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. What was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, there's this, in the a background story of this book, is this religious cult that is formed somewhere oh, else in the country. Right. Like the enlightened ones. or The, the bright, bright ones. The bright, bright-eyed ones or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, something like that. And the cult leader, his wife has fallen asleep. Right. And he thinks that it's because the government poisoned their water. Yeah. He's like, the government did this. They've been wanting us to come out of our compound for months now. And they did this and they can't keep us down. And so on live television, he cuts her cocoon off. She wakes up and bites his nose clean off. But that's on live TV. So that's like how they're getting the word out. Yeah. So they're playing that on the top of every hour to tell people, do not screw with the cocoon. Is anyone in Dueling County listening to this? Oh, no. No, of course because not. Michaela has legs for days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, Michaela. Thanks, Michaela. It's all her fault, really. She just worn pants that day. Yeah, and not have gotten that nose job. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's on us for thinking that. Like, we're objectifying her in... Well, I mean, in, we're just us saying... Doing that. We're just saying in the story... We're saying she, just, she dressed too sexy. If she would have just covered up, like, that's, we can't do that either. people would have... But we Listen, can't do that either. I'm not saying it's See, her fault. It's just double how... wango tango. <laughs> We've been bamboozled. <laughs> the wicked wango card. I'm just saying, in the context of this story, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what Stephen King wanted you to say. So I'd Damn slap it. you in the face. Damn it, Steve. Got us. God, now that we're talking about this, this book is even better than I thought it was. Yeah. Like, there's so many little moving parts. <laughs> I moved my hands when I said that. You missed it. Like a, but cr- like a, a crab. Like a crab. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Let's talk about Don Peters for a oh, moment. Do we have to? We I, have to. I hate that guy. He's a big part of the story, and he's even worse than Frank. As soon as they introduced Don, I was like, maybe Frank's not so bad. Right. Like, Frank has... The animal control guy has anger issues, but at least he's not a rapist. <laughs> yeah, Frank's like this weaselly little... Not little. In my head, I... Pudgy prison guard that abuses the inmates. Yeah. So in my head, I didn't cast him as a celebrity, but I do know that in my head, he's fat and sweaty. And I hate him. (laughs) (laughs) I think he'd be like a nobody actor. For sure. Yeah. There's a couple correctional officers from uh, the Orange Orange is the New Black that I actually think would be good for the role. Yeah. Like, they've already played it. They already have the uniform. Like, Mm -hmm. step over to set four. (laughs) Right. But uh, Don Peters, in this section of the book that we've read, uh, he's already gotten in trouble for sexual harassment. So he's been to the warden's office where she's done the, like, you can't be doing this crap. One more complaint and you're gone. Mm -hmm. Does he care? Nope. Nope. And he knows where all the cameras are, and he knows where all the blind spots are, like any good CO. Mm-hmm. 
And he's targeting Jeanette at this point. Right. One of the main characters. We really, right. And we really haven't even really touched on Jeanette too much. But she... Because she's such a... I don't know. I can't believe it. She's a level-headed character. Yeah. She's one of the only level-headed characters that we have so far. And she's an inmate. Yeah. And she's in there for stabbing and killing her husband but with, like, a screwdriver to the crotch. It sounded like she was abused by that guy. And she was just, And like, she was high. Yeah. Really high. So... Yeah, so... Jeanette has been abused by her uh, late husband. <laughs> but she, yeah. for the most part, at this point, has become level-headed. After yeah. therapy with Dr. Norcross, mm-hmm. doing her time in prison, all she cares about is seeing her son on visitation days and yeah. just doing her time. Yeah. Like, put your head down and do the time. Mm-hmm. But Don Peters is targeting her, like, takes her into the visitation room to clean it. Um, another guard is like, buddy system, you have to take two. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, fine. So he takes Ree, too, yeah. her bunkmate, and they're mopping the visitation room, and then he takes her to a camera blind spot and forces her... To do some stuff. To polish him off. Yeah, to polish something else. And then, polish his knob. Yeah, I, I hope it's necessary to the story, but so far it just felt like an unnecessary gross thing to add. It's likely not, but it, it's also touching base on another problem that we have with sexism. Yeah. So that's, I think, its intention. It's uncomfortable to read. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable to watch when it's on TV. But it's there for a reason because it's something that people are ignoring. Yeah. Because it's their... Yeah. You have the luxury of ignoring it and pretending it doesn't exist, but it does. So... Say not me. I, I think people in general, they don't have to deal with it. Yeah. Because, I mean, if we're being real here, you... Walking down a street in a big city, like, between 6 and 9 p.m., you probably don't really think about things like that. No. Like me, if I were walking alone in Seattle, like, back to my hotel or wherever wherever I am, um, I'm walking fast. I'm trying to keep my cell phone in my hands but not stare into it so that I'm not unaware of my surroundings. Mm -hmm. I've got a car key between my fingers and my other hand. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, women just live in fear because we're, for the most part, physically inferior when it comes to being able to protect ourselves in most cases. Not in every case. We could talk about that for hours. But in a lot of cases. Well, that's what the book's talking about. It's for another day. I have so many opinions about this. Then talk about it. This is a book club. That's what the book's talking about. I'm being serious. This is what book clubs are right. Like, remember in high school when you, like, talked on all the, like, themes of the book? This is the theme of the book. I think that they're intentionally talking about sexism a lot in this book. Yeah. Kyle just thinks every woman ever should just walk around packing heat. I do. Which I don't disagree with. But I think that you should do that if you're comfortable with it. But for people who aren't comfortable with it, like myself, I think... How do I put this? It's like back in school when they would try to tell girls how to dress instead of telling guys not to be skis balls. I agree. Like, we're, we're not fixing the problem by arming yeah. every woman in America. We're just not addressing the real issue, which is the fact that yeah. boys are gross and they're awful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not all of them, but there are people out there that are predators. and Yeah, the world's a dangerous place. It's... Dress it's a, accordingly. It's much, That's all I'm going to say. No. Not dress. You know what I mean. Pack heat accordingly. He's not... Like the world's a dangerous place for everyone. It's more dangerous for other people than others. It's more dangerous but, for women than men. But ultimately, 
everyone's responsible for their own safety. It's true. It's just a fact of life. That's a sad fact of life because we're not addressing the real issue. Right, but we're not going to live in a utopian society where everyone's safe all the time. It's just not going to happen. I don't think that... I didn't say that was going to happen. I'm just saying that if we raised our sons right, we might have a lot less issues. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of problems just boil down to... Parenting. Parenting. How you raise your kids. If you're not super sure you can be a parent, don't do it. (laughs) Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. Side side rant. Yeah, but no, I don't think it is a side rant because it's it's thematic with with the story. I think he wants us talking about this. Yeah, I guess. Stephen King's a feminist. I know. Super evident that apparently his son is too, because mm-hmm. they wrote this book together, which I think which is awesome. Which I think, yeah, I think that's so cool. I think he's awesome. Yeah. Because clearly he raised his son right. Yeah. And everyone calls him crazy. I don't think Stephen King's crazy. I think he's just super creative. He's got... I'd like to talk to him. Yeah. His Instagram's hilarious. Yeah, I'm sure he's just I just recently guy. found it. I'm like, there's no way this guy's an Instagram. And then I found it. <laughs> it's gold. Go follow Stephen King on Instagram. I looked for a son, couldn't find him, though. Sounds too exclusive for that. Just saying, I hope Don Peters dies. Oh, I hope he dies so fast. I hope he dies in the next chapter. Oh, I Yeah. I hope <laughs> Evie kills him, like, in yeah. just some crazy... Like, she just knows what he's doing and just... Dis- I think she does, because we don't know... Here's the deal. We don't know if Evie's goal is to just eliminate men, or if Evie's goal is to eliminate abusive men. Because yeah. she's only up to this point killed Truman, and Truman was abusing the crap out of Tiffany. And like every other woman he's ever come oh, yeah. contact with. He's one of those sleazeball drug dealers who gets people addicted on purpose. <laughs> on purpose, and then just beats the crap mm-hmm. out of them. So, yeah. Don should die. Who else should die? Here's... I don't think... Like, Anton was gross. I don't think he deserved to be the first one to yeah, die. I, I don't from, think Frank should die. I don't think Frank should die either. Like, the plastic surgeon... Probably shouldn't die. He's going to die out of stupidity. I guarantee it. Yeah. But Don should die. (laughs) Yeah, Don should die for sure. I hope he dies next. Eric, the bully. He'll probably die. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't... Stephen King doesn't do well with bullies. He always kills the bully. Yeah. I mean, he's a bully, but he's just a kid, too. So, do I think he should die? So were all the bullies in Carrie. He killed them quick. No, I know. I'm just saying in, like, my opinion. Not saying Stephen King's not going to kill him. No, he's going to kill him. (laughs) Do you think the date between Mary and Eric will even happen? I don't think so. I don't. If if you're what you're saying is, is true, and this whole book is one day is one day, I don't think we're even going to get there. That's true. All the stuff's going to just be like bang happens. I think it's kind of this book kind of reminds me of the mist hmm. because the mist is like a similar tone of like there's this big thing happening to everyone, and there's the just mist. a million points of view, and it's one big day, like yeah, one big event. It was one day. And I hope it doesn't end like the mist ended. Does everyone die in the mist? Pretty much. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't. I never read the book, but the movie ending of the mist was the, in my opinion, the worst ending to any movie I've ever seen. So, hmm. basically, they escape the supermarket that they've been trapped in this whole time. It takes place in a supermarket. Yeah, they drive for a while. Like a bunch of stuff happens, and they realize they can't save themselves, and all the people in the car sh- kill themselves. It's really sad. And then instantly after that, the fog clears and there's this like army of soldiers that walks in and everything's fine. And then the movie ends. What? Yeah. It was horrible. Well, I hope every- I hope everyone doesn't die. Do you think... Okay, let's do predictions. 
predictions for the next five chapters, because the next episode will be chapters uh, six, six through, through ten. Through ten, so four. No, that's five chapters. Oh, you guys see how bad I am at math. <laughs> <laughs> that's five chapters. And what are your predictions for the next five chapters? Oh God, I think that everyone at the prison is going to fall asleep. Everyone? Most, Do you think they're going to the attempt people. to keep them awake? Yes. And I think it's going to go horribly wrong. Like, there's going to be purge stuff going on. I think Evie's going to wake them all up and create this army of vengeful women, and they're going <laughs> to bust out of prison, and just hell's going to break loose. I think you have a good point there, because why Why else would they even in- include a female prison if they weren't going to use, that? use it for bad? Or good, depending on how you see it. Yeah. Havoc. Havoc. Use it for Havoc. So my predictions for chapters 6 through 10, I think that Eric the bully and his friends, they're going to go mess with Essie. Yeah. They're going to wake her up. I think someone's going to die or get seriously hurt, but I don't think it's going to be the main bully because Stephen King likes to toy with his bullies. Yeah. And then I think I think something bad is going to happen at the prison, but I haven't decided what. Yeah. I'm going to make the prediction that Don dies. Yeah. Just because I want him to. Mm-hmm. Um... I think Frank's going to hide in that shed or try to find his daughter. Frank will do anything to protect his daughter. And he still has well feeling. He still loves his wife that he separated from. Yeah, he just so doesn't I think understand. His goal is going to be trying to tell Eileen, get her to understand the gravity of the situation. Yeah. Because Eileen's going to be like, Frank, you're crazy. Because he already has anger issues, yeah. and this is just going to elevate him to the point where he sounds manic. Yeah. She's just going to think he's being crazy. Yeah. So he's going to be trying to get Eileen to understand the gravity of the situation. I bet Eileen falls asleep, and that Frank is having to try to keep his daughter awake. Or she falls asleep, and her daughter doesn't, and she tries to kill her daughter. And Frank has to kill, kill her. Ooh. Ooh. What do you think? I don't know. I think it could happen. Don't know. It could happen. It could happen. It could happen. Is that your ear? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think Jared is going to be running around town with Mary. Yeah. Trying to find their moms. Trying to save the day. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we've covered everything. Oh, the last scene... The last scene that they have in the chapter, like, at all, is from Magda's point of view after she's already fallen asleep, oh, which right. I thought was interesting. And yeah. I think that was really important, too. That's the oh, last point I'll touch on. Right. Because she has, at this point, already killed Anton. Yeah. She's, like, sitting next to his corpse, and then she's like, oh, time to go back to sleep now. Yeah. But she's talking about, she's in this darkness and she knows that there are other people there and she's not sure where but she yeah. wants she needs to go join them there are other people there in this darkness it's kind of like the movie insidious where in that movie like the ghosts are like on this other side where it's like super dark compared to the real world but that's how they like can contact them oh, it's almost like they're in almost like stranger like the things upside down? i was where, gonna ask that yeah yeah so i think obviously when these women when they go to sleep they're all in this dream state, but they're all together. Yeah. That's kind of my prediction. It's like a hive mind. Yeah, kind of. I wonder if that's something to do with the moths. Because, you know, they, like, kind of move as one, like, when they went off the roof. Maybe. At the high school. Well, they all, they, they flock, like, they're called, it's called an eclipse. Yeah. But they're always there. And there's a lot in the prison, we know that. Well, we will leave you 
with that. Uh, if yeah. you have any predictions for chapters 6 through 10, we really want to hear them. And thanks for putting up with our nugget and the fact that we don't know how to run a book club. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing our best. It'll so, get better. So email us your best predictions. The email is baileybabbles, B-A-Y-L-E-E, babbles at gmail.com. You can always instant message us on Instagram at baileybabbles. And then we've got our we've got our studio voicemail. Yeah. So go ahead and leave us a voicemail if that's easier for you. And we'll share your we'll share your ideas with, yeah. with our flock. Yeah. <laughs> that number is 208-717-1797. So email us, message us, mm-hmm. call us. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening. Um We'll try to get another episode for the book club out to you around this same time next week. We'll do our best. Likely, probably, yeah, Sunday, Monday time. So keep on the lookout for it. Uh, just keep on, keep on reading and, yeah. and be sure you, to jot down any ideas. If you want the book, yeah. then you have to keep on, keep on, keep an eye. Yeah, so <laughs> we did the a giveaway that included this book, so really hoping that she is enjoying this as much as we are when she gets it in the mail. And this went okay. <laughs> we'll be better. We'll be we'll better. better. We will not be recording again with the baby. We've no, learned. we we tried, but it's a challenge. But super, super, super grateful for those of you that are still following along. If you made it this far, you are a trooper. Gold star sticker for you. <laughs> Taryn loves you guys. And Say bye, was, buddy. He was just really excited to talk to you, and now he's trying to grab the microphone. Say bye. Say bye bye. <gasps> Have a good day. <laughs> okay. He's smiling at you. Okay. He's smiling. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Mm, see ya. Bye. <laughs>